0: Good morning. good morning. Hope you guys are having a good day. Looking forward to the rest of your day. Uh, I don't know if you were aware of, but they're on TV today is going to be an epic concert with Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, and uh, I'm really excited about the concert that's happening. I've heard some people talk about like the pre-show. There's like a football game that's happening before it, but uh, the concert should be great. Anybody excited for the, the concert? If you, Few people. Uh, anybody excited for the football game? Eh. Yeah, not as many. That's what I, that's what I thought. Um, anyways, uh, good to be with you guys and continuing our shalom with uh, shalom with self. Uh, part of our series, uh, we've been doing the shalom project uh, and talking about the four relationships of shalom uh, with God, with self, with uh, others, and with the world. And uh, all of our all of our messages are available online. And so, if you feel like hey. I've, I've missed some of the stuff that's led up to this because they all kind of uh, start working off of one another. Uh, you can go back and, and watch uh, those pieces online. Uh, some people uh, care about, uh, you know, resources uh, that are kind of behind some, some of these ideas uh, beyond Scripture. Often I'm referring to, to books or authors, and so I'm just, sometimes I'll highlight a few for you. And so I just wanted to throw a few up on the screen. If you want to dive in deeper to any of the stuff, uh, John Mark Homer wrote a book, Live No Lies. Uh, it's a great book uh, that uh, talks about some of the, the lies concepts, uh, flesh concepts that we're getting into today, uh, as well as uh, Kyle Snodgrass, uh, Who God Says You Are, uh, a book about Christian identity uh, and understanding who we are uh, because of who God is. And I threw up a fiction book uh, on there as well, uh, John Steinbach's East of Eden, uh, which is a phenomenal book uh, about uh, the, trage- or the trajectory uh, that humans... Uh, can take depending on the decisions that that they make. Uh, And so it's kind of written as a a fictional story uh, talking about human nature, uh, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. uh, And I'll reference uh, that book a little bit at the end. Uh, But our vision statement at SunWest is Shalom Breakers uh, becoming Shalom Makers. And the Shalom Breaker uh, concept... Uh, is a little bit difficult to get behind uh, for some people because there 's an acknowledgement of of mistake of of missing the mark uh, the Bible says that all people have sinned and fallen short of god 's glory and sin sin means to miss the mark uh, and we 're defining uh, sin and I think biblically it 's a good picture of sin to break shalom to break relationship with god with yourself with others with the world uh, is uh, is to miss the mark, and so there 's an acknowledgement of Uh, I've missed the mark, uh, but I'm invited to become uh, somebody different than I am, and I'm actually invited to be a part of what God wants to do in our world. Uh, And so the shalom relationships, again, are referring to these four spheres of relationship. Uh, And so when the Hebrews use the word shalom, which I think is translated peace for us, uh, it's not just a lack of conflict, but it's this deep life that we were created to live, this this peaceful, content existence uh, with God, self, others, and the world. So the first series, we looked at our relationship with God, and now we're on week two out of three of looking at our relationship uh, with self. But our relationship with ourself is connected to our relationship with God, because God is the one that created us with a certain identity as human beings. We entertained the question last week of whether we figure out who we are by external sources or internal sources. Uh, and I made the the suggestion, uh, which I think is the the biblical one, uh, that we don't decide who we are. God has actually decided who we are, and we become most fully ourselves when we become into alignment with uh, God and how He's created us to live. And so we're focusing here on self, and what makes up self? Who, when we say who I am, what are what are we re- referring to? Uh, well, we're often referring to a whole bunch of things. You know, you could. You could talk about your job, your vocation, uh, husband, wife, kid, uh, follower of Jesus. Uh, you could talk about your, your gender. You could talk about your, you know, your sports fan or your favorite hobby. Like when we say self, we mean a whole bunch of things. Uh, the Bible refers to us being made in the image of God, Genesis 1, Genesis 5. And part of being made in God's image means that we were created to create. And we have the capacity to create that is unique in all of creation. Now, there's, there's kind of this idea going on, and we're, we'll talk about in today's sermon, uh, that we're nothing more than animals, uh, but that just isn't true. When you just take an objective look at ourselves, at the world, uh, at the capacity of human beings, we have a capacity that's different than anything else in all creation. We talked about ideas last week in that what separates us From the rest of creation is our capacity to think about things that aren't yet in existence, to have ideas that aren't in line with reality. Being made in the image of God means that we actually have been given the capacity, like God, to create a world that doesn't yet exist. God's given us authority in creation to govern, to rule, to create. The choices that we make have a trajectory. They can actually help create life or destroy life. The decisions that you make impact your life, the people around you, and the world that you're living in, and also the legacy you're going to leave behind. This was the potential and the risk that God took when he created human beings. When we look at the world around us, we can see that we are living, the negative things we're living in are a result of poor choices that humans have made. This is God's uh, image in us that has gone sideways. And so the devil actually comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but he can't create. He wasn't created in God's image like we were. And so the way that he brings destruction and death into this world is to convince us of ideas that aren't true or aren't in alignment with what God says is
1: true. And so if he can convince us to believe lies, uh, then, then actually Puts us on a trajectory to bring death and destruction into our world because we 're created to create so his lies aren 't random like our lights his lies aren't
0: <laughs> his lies aren 't random, uh, so he does not come uh, you know with random lies that have no bearing on your reality uh, we 're less likely to be- believe in those lies uh, you know so you know if If you heard this lie that, uh, you know, Elvis is alive and he's uh, still alive and he's living in Mexico, uh, you know, you're less likely to believe that lie. And if you are going to believe it, it actually has no bearing on your actual life. I hope not. Uh, But, uh, so we we can reject those random lies. The the, the devil doesn't come with lies like that. He comes with lies that sound like they're true. He comes with lies that distort or disorder our desires. Uh, And so a lie such as, you know, pornography is no big deal. It's just a part of growing up. It's just a part of figuring out your sexuality
1: and figuring out who you are. It would be a lie that is believable because it, uh, it is actually
0: appealing to an inner desire that we have as human beings. There's something about it that resonates with us. There's something about it that it, 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 it touches a longing in us. And so we're much more susceptible to believe a lie that sounds true, that lines up with our disordered desires, and then to start to live that out. The word that Paul uses in the New Testament, uh, he has a word that kind of encapsulates this in other New Testament writers too. Um, And I was going to talk about the word, but I will talk about the wordle, the wordle of the day. Uh, Anybody play wordle here? Got a few. I see some young hands. Okay, Good. Uh, some of our young staff said, you know, I was talking about World, they're like, that's just a game for old people. Um, I'm like, I don't care if I'm old, it's fun. And it's one word a day. And for some of you who don't know what it is, world.com. Uh, I don't mean to flex or brag, but I've gotten 100%. I've not yet got a word wrong. So, uh, I don't know, uh, my, my, my five-letter five vocabulary is strong. So the five-letter wordle of the day is flesh. I know I just ruined it for you guys, but that was no, it wasn't today. I I made that up. Uh, But this is the word that Paul uses to describe sarks, or sorry, the word means sarks. The the actual Greek word is sarks, but it means uh, to. uh, It's describing the desires that we have as human beings, the disordered desires that we have as humans. Uh, and it's, it's describing desires that were given to us by God. And this is what we need to recognize, that desires in themselves are not evil, but God has a certain uh, invitation, parameters, order in which those desires ought to be lived out. When we impulsively follow those desires without giving thought to what God wants for us, uh, this is referred to as living from our flesh. And so here's an example of how Paul uses the word in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the devil, which we talked about last week. The spirit who is now at work in those uh, who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, of our sarks, and following its desires and
1: thoughts. So you see here, Paul Paul is talking about the following of those desires uh, over and against
0: following something else that's guiding you. Uh, Romans 7, Paul uses it this way. He says, For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law
1: were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for what? For what? Death. So the trajectory
0: of being led by your disordered desires, is death. The fruit of that decision is death. In uh, the disciple Peter also talks about this word, and he says, uh, this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. And, and so the despising authority and following the... The corrupt desires of the flesh are related. They're related. Uh, We, as a culture, have, uh, on the whole, decided that external authority has no bearing on who I am. And as we despise any type of authority, we actually give authority to our desires. And so, this flesh, these desires, are are basically our primal animal instincts and drives for self-gratification, they can refer to uh, desires for sensuality like sex or food or pleasure in general, as well as instincts for survival, for domination, for controlling. Uh, These desires are in all of us as human beings. These desires in and of themselves are not necessarily evil, but if they're left unchecked and disordered, they can actually lead to death and destruction. And so, in the very beginning, in the in Genesis, we see that God created uh, us in His image to be under Him, to reflect Him, to be His image bearers over and above creation. So there's an order to creation. Uh, we were we were given authority to rule, to have dominion, to impact the world around us, to cre- to help God create the world in which He was creating but we were, in, we were to do that under the authority of God. And so we see this order in creation that humans were created to be under God and above the world, to be more than animals. And often we resort to animal instincts and we, we actually give up, our, uh, give up our identity as God's image bearers when we act like animals. Uh, and so thinking of animals... Uh, you know, I'm not a huge animal fan, but I got animal lovers in my house. The problem is that we have many allergies in our house, so we can't have a lot of pets. Uh, So we've had like things like fish throughout the years, Um, you know, not pets that you can play with. Um, But we would love to have dogs, or some people in our house would love to have dogs, but we just can't, can't do it. Anyways, my wife is one of those people that are allergic to animals. And when we first got married, we had... Uh, We had a deck in our condo building. We were living up by Mount Royal, and uh, she wanted a pet, but we couldn't have them inside. And so we bought rabbits, and we put rabbits on our on our deck at our condo building. Uh, Two female rabbits, and so uh, these rabbits uh, they ate a lot. You know, they they took a lot of attention. I didn't care for them. Lisa cared for them, Uh, but they fought a lot. I don't know. They were fighting. Uh, I don't know if that was an animal instinct or what, but there were lots of noise, lots of fighting, uh, and we would often go out in the during the day, and there would be like a mess of we didn't know what all over the deck. we would scratching our heads. What's
1: all this? Ugh, everywhere, um, and then we woke up one morning, and there was babies
0: in the cage, and we realized these aren't two female rabbits. There's a male and a female rat. We put them in a cage together, and they've been living in that same cage for days and weeks, and they're not wrestling. Uh, they're making babies. Uh, and so this is what happens. You put two animals in a cage together, and they just do what they do. It just happens. It's animalistic desire. Uh, and and that's, that's just true of the animal
1: world, that animals just do what they do. They do what they do. They have very simplistic drives, very
0: simplistic desires, and they just follow those desires without thought of how it's impacting them, if it's ethically right or wrong. You know, rabbits aren't sitting around thinking, you know, did we, did we solidify this relationship? You know, is this, are we committed? Are we, you know, they're not in conversation. So this idea of animal desire that needs to be in check or needs to be trained or we need to be aware of, is not a new idea and it's actually not even a christian uh, idea alone throughout history people have talked about this Uh, buddha talked about this he spoke of one's desire as a metaphor of riding an elephant and learning how to tame an elephant Uh, plato uh, referred to two horses fighting uh, representing the good and the evil desires within us two horses fighting against each other for domination in our being There was a jewish rabbi who referred to the battle in ourselves as humans as the battle between the animal soul and the divine soul. And so there's been a recognition throughout history that there's an animal-like instinct in humans, but there's also a higher instinct, a higher desire that we were created for as well. And so for a long time, there's been this perspective that not all desires are created equal, but some desires are more noble than other desires and deeper than other desires, and some desires are more shallow and more destructive than other desires. Counselors, spiritual directors, philosophers, ethicists have recognized for a long, long time that happiness is the result of disciplined desire. Happiness is the result of us being able to discipline our desire. Philosopher Charles Taylor wrote about how the West changed from a culture of authority over time to authenticity, meaning we used to live by these external structures External direction, external authority, uh, whether it was God, the Bible, tradition, religion, uh, people on the whole embraced external structures or ideas that oriented them and how they were going to live and the choices they were going to make. We've moved from an authoritative uh, culture to one that is uses the word self-proclaimed as authentic
1: culture, where we rely on an internal authority, what we decide is right and wrong, and we live from
0: that place. And that's a shift that has happened in the West over time, but it hasn't always been that way. Uh, Seventy years ago, uh, the philosopher Alan Bloom wrote a book, The Closing of the American Mind, and he uh, talks about in that book the trajectory that he saw was happening in the Western world, similar to Charles Taylor, saying that there seems to be a rejection of any external source of authority in the decisions that we make or how we understand who we are. So in the 1950s, he already predicted that if we continue down this road of denying external structures, external narratives, we talked about meta-narratives, uh, you know, or grand stories, uh, or mental maps last week, same idea. If, if, if we get rid of that external piece that is influencing who we understand ourselves to be in the decisions that we're making, he said the result of this trajectory will be a culture of anarchy of anxiety, of depression. We'll have a pandemic of people that have a lack of purpose and a sense of who they are. He wrote that
1: 70 years ago. Now, if you go back even further than that, Augustine talks about uh, the basic problem of the human
0: condition is disordered desires. In his view, human beings were created in love and for love, and we weren't primarily uh, rational beings as much as we were beings that had Desires, And in his view, the problem with the human condition isn't that, we, isn't that we don't love, but it's that we love the wrong things or we love the right things in the right order or in the wrong order. So again, his idea was not that we don't love, but that we love either the wrong things or the right things in the wrong order. Um, and so as an example, it's not bad to love your job. I hope that you love your job. I hope that you love what you do. For your job, But if you love your job
1: more than you love your spouse, there's a certain result of that disordered desire. Do you see what I'm saying?
0: It's not bad to love your kids. I hope you love your kids. You know, if you don't love your kids, we have prayer ministry at the end of the service. Uh, I hope you love your kids. But if you love your kids more than you love God it actually creates a certain trajectory. You put a weight now on your kids that they can't bear at all. It's going to actually bring destruction to that relationship. But if you love God first, it actually reorders your life. If you love your family before you love your job, it reorders your life. And so what Augustine is saying is that there's a certain order to our desires that actually help us live into a full life. And If we love the wrong things or the right things in the wrong order, it's going to create death and destruction in our lives. And so this has been uh, the mindset of theologians, philosophers, you know, ethicists, uh, you know, people that have given thought to this uh, for most of history. Uh, then something switched. Uh, Sigmund Freud uh, flipped this. You know, so Freud started talking uh, that, and, and Freud is still taught in, in sociology classes to this day, uh, and this has changed the entire trajectory of the Western world, that Freud taught that pleasure is the ultimate. What you most desire is what is most important. If you could actually experience what everything you desire, you would be happiest. And so with that thought process, uh, anything external that is telling you how to live is now considered oppression. You see that? Anything that is external that is telling you how to live is now considered uh, oppression. Anything that is internal, you know, thoughts that you have that is telling you uh, not to live out those desires is seen now as repression. It's repressive. And so everything is either oppressive or repressive, everything that isn't what you want. And so we have all these types of Freudian phrases that we use all the time. We don't even think about where they came from or if they're actually true. We talked about one last week. You do you, and I just referred to that. That's how the animal kingdom works. Do you? You know, whatever you want, whatever you feel, follow your heart. Just do it. Nike slogan. Speak your truth. Oh, I'm just speaking my truth. Uh, You speak your truth. I'll speak my truth. If it feels good, do it. Be true to yourself. Now that's an interesting one. When we say be true to yourself, we should take a step back and and actually ponder for a second, which self are we talking about? Because if we're all honest, we desire a whole bunch of things that aren't in line with each other, that are mutually exclusive exclusive. Now let me give you an example. Uh, When I go to the grocery store and I'm in the checkout line, uh, on the magazine rack, you know, I see a picture of Ryan Reynolds with a six-pack, and I look at Ryan Reynolds with a six-pack, and I'm like, I really want to look like that. That's my desire. If I could have a and I, there might even be more than six there. I don't know if there's eight or what, uh, but I'm like, I'd love to get to two, to four. You know, I got one right now, but let's, let's, let's expand the packs, and so if I could get to six, uh, that's, what I'd, that's what I'd love. Uh, but right under the Ryan Reynolds magazine, there's a coffee crisp bar. And so in that moment, I have two desires. Yes, I want to look like Ryan Reynolds, but I also want to eat the coffee crisp. And I choose the coffee crisp. And you know that if I have that choice, and I over time I continue to choose the coffee crisp, I will never, ever look like Ryan Reynolds. We have desires all the time that are comp- competing. Two days ago, um, you know Lisa was baking cookies for our boys, and they smelt delicious. Uh, and you know, I've been trying to, you know, in the New year' I've been trying to change some of my eating habits, and, and she says, uh, she said, "Would you like a cookie?" And I said, "Yes, I want a cookie, but no, I won't eat a cookie, because you're appealing to my sarks." I was like, "I have a deeper desire." I mean, that is a very strong desire, but I have a deeper desire that's beyond my sarks to be a different type of person. And she's like, look at me, she's like, I just asked you if you wanted a cookie. Uh, that's what happens when you're married to a pastor, and he's, he's fleshing out uh, these sermon ideas. Uh, and she's like, what are you talking about? And then as we get closer to Sunday, she's like, oh, okay, I see what, what was happening. Uh, but we have desires all the time that are mutually exclusive. Uh, I want to be a good father. I want my kids to think well of me, but more than that, I want my kids to grow up uh, reflecting what God is like in the world. That takes
1: time. That takes love. That takes energy. I also really sometimes just want to binge Netflix, just to be honest, to check out from the world, to de-stress. But we all know that parents that spend more time binging Netflix than they spend parenting their own kids are bad parents. Sorry, I'm not,
0: I'm not trying to out any of you guys. Uh, but there's a deeper desire. I, I hope you can see that. There's a deeper desire and there's a strong desire. And they're not always the same thing. I want to get up each morning and spend time with God and to start my life from that place. But I also want to stay up and finish the new Ted Lasso season. Competing desires. Nothing wrong with Ted Lasso. Or maybe there is, sorry. Uh, I'm neither
1: recommending or... Uh, I'll stop talking. Uh, the, but we have competing desires. And we could talk about thousands thousand examples of this. And so we talk about be your true self. Well, which self are we
0: talking about? Which desires are we talking about you living into? Uh, and the modern view what they fail to recognize this western view is that our strongest desires are not the same as our deepest desires our strongest desires are not our deepest desires and my guess is if you actually spend enough time to reflect to go deep enough to explore the actual deep desires of your heart you will find that they are not in alignment with what are often your strongest desires in the moment. Our desire for God himself, our desire to love him well, to love others well, to be a certain type of person, to be a certain type of person at your job, as a spouse, as a son, as a daughter, or
1: whatever it is. To live with a deep sense of gratitude and peace and joy and contentment
0: Every single one of us, I believe, if we spend enough time reflecting on our deepest desires, we would start to articulate very similar things because we were created in God's image with these deep desires. Now think about a funeral for a second. As a pastor, I, I get to uh, go to or experience or be a part of funerals somewhat regularly. Uh, and at a funeral, we try and honor people for the lives that they lived. And there's nothing that actually gives me a better perspective, perspective of how to live my life than actually attending a funeral. I mean, when you go to a funeral and people start to share in the tributes or in the obituary about the person that we're gathering around to celebrate, I have not yet heard somebody say, oh man, it was so awesome. That guy, he had thousands of Instagram followers. I haven't heard it yet. Or, you know, that guy, you know, his Tinder account was real active. It was, it was fantastic.
1: He had a strong sneaker game. Have you seen his closet? He had so many sneakers. So white.
0: That person, they really knew how to party. Have a good time. You know, I haven't been to a funeral where people have said any of those things. What, what you hear is the best part of that person's life which involved how they lived life, how they did relationships, the parts of love, of sacrifice, of loyalty to friends, of how they lived with compassion, how they lived with humility, how they put other people and other things first before themselves. Everything that we use as a tribute at the end of our life to honor somebody are things which require
1: denial of fleshly desires without exception. We honor those things in one another, but yet we live our lives in the moment as if we're ignorant to those deeper desires.
0: And sometimes an exercise worth doing is, what do I want to be known for at the end of my life, actually gives you a a very sobering anchor in how to live and make choices in the present. Our deeper desire to become a certain type of person is often sabotaged by our surface level desires, or urgent desires. And this is compounded because we live in a culture that actually promotes those strong desires as the way of living, as the way of finding true happiness. But if we follow those desires, it doesn't lead to where we want. And we know that intuitively, uh, but yet we deny it because we choose to believe lies instead of believing truth. Now the question that God asks me, and he asks you, and he asks every one of
1: us, And he asked throughout scripture is, what do you want? And we think the answer is so obvious. But if it was so obvious, God
0: wouldn't ask us that question. When God asks us that question, he honors the image of God that he made in us. The image of God to choose, to create, the capacity to love. He created us with the capacity to create and to love. And that's what it means to actually be made in his image. Uh, I, I read a book this past week, that reference, and I don't even remember where I was reading it, so I can't even quote it, and I can't even tell you if it's ultimately true, but it feels kind of true. Uh, <laughs> the, the author said that in one way or another, this is the question that Jesus asked more than any other
1: question. Giving people permission to choose. In Mark chapter 10, there's a bl- blind guy
0: named Bartimaeus, and he, he's blind, and he's been blind for a long time, and he's been a beggar. Uh, And he's heard rumors about this Jesus that's gone around healing people, and even specifically healing people of blindness. He He hears that this Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. Can't see him, but he knows because other people have told him, and by what he's hearing, that Jesus is close by. And so he wants to have an encounter
1: with Jesus. And so he finds his way to Jesus, and Jesus asks him this exact question. He says, what do you want?
0: And I've read that story and I'm like, duh, the guy's blind. Isn't it obvious that he's coming to you because he wants to be healed and he wants to see? And by the way, you're God and you know exactly what he wants. So why are you asking the question that you already know the answer for? Well, this is Jesus actually giving dignity to Bartimaeus. This is Jesus actually honoring the image of God in Bartimaeus. This is Jesus giving
1: the choice to that which he created to choose the future that he's going to live into. And so
0: God asks us all that question, and the answer is not as obvious as we think it ought to be.
1: Many of us are confused on what we actually want. Now, Galatians uh, is a book where
0: Paul really starts to break down and develop this idea of, Uh, of living by the flesh, of living by the spirit, of freedom, of slavery. Uh, We're going to look at these concepts uh, the rest of this morning and then into next next Sunday. Uh, But in Galatians 5, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, them, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I mean, we read this and we think in our Western minds, yes, it's for freedom that God set us free. Don't let anything enslave you. Which means... Do whatever you want. The modern definition of freedom is the ability to do whatever you want. You do you. That is freedom definition today. And we can actually impose this on the text, but that's not what Paul is saying at all. Uh, A few verses later, Paul goes on to say this. Rather, instead of you do you, rather this. Serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. The opposite of living by this flesh is actually living in love. And this word is very specifically, in the original language, a love that describes self-sacrifice for the other. Self-sacrifice, self-denial. The biblical definition, and for the most of history, the definition of freedom has been not doing what you want, but having the will
1: and having the power to choose to do what is good, what is true, what is beautiful. It's not doing what
0: you want. It's actually having the willpower to choose what is right, what is good. Now, Next week, we're going to do a deep dive into the, uh, this concept of freedom and slavery, but that's enough to set the stage for the rest of what Paul's going to say at this point. So Paul goes on. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, the Sarks. For these disordered desires, these flesh desires, what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so
1: that you are not to do whatever you want. And so you see this picture starting to form as we pay attention to the, the writers
0: in the New Testament, to Jesus, to Paul, to Peter, that
1: we have two things at war within us. There's an animal instinct. There's a flesh, these strong desires. But they're not the same as our deep desires. Uh, It's not the same
0: to walk by the flesh as to walk by the Spirit. It's not the same to live out that animal instinct versus to live out what it means to be made in the image of God. On one line you have the image of God. The other line you have being like an animal. They're not the same. On one hand, you have the animal kingdom. On the other side, you have the kingdom of God. The flesh on one side, the spirit on the other side. Strong, urgent desires in the moment versus these long-term, deep desires that we have as humans. These are at war with each other. And humans are the only part of creation that have self-determining freedom. Unlike animals, we don't just run around and live off our primary evolutionary drives. I was referring To this earlier Um, you know we don't have animals in our house uh, but we got animals that run around chaparral and we got a couple of annoying rabbits that come and make their home in my backyard every winter
1: and I wonder if they kind of have this thought process of you know this isn't my home I'm trespassing
0: Uh, maybe this isn't the best place for me to take a dump for six months
1: Maybe it's, maybe it's offensive to the people that are actually living on this property that have to clean it up in spring. You know, I'm, I'm
0: joking, obviously. And the rabbit does not think that way. Or now all the bobcats that are coming in to eat these rabbits. You know, I, I don't think they're having this accidental crisis of thinking, you know, is this okay that I am making my living off of devouring other animals? And I'm, I'm saying, yes, please, come to my backyard, kill this rabbit. Um, you know, bobcats aren't having this ethical crisis about whether they should or shouldn't be killing rabbits, whether maybe a vegan diet is a better way to go than a, than a meat-based diet. You know, they're, they're not thinking that way. They have an animal drive. This is what they do. They don't think ethically, morally. They don't have an outside narrative or calling or longing that is beyond their drive as animals. And so you have your animal instincts at battle with being human of what it means to be created in the image of God. They were at battle with one another and there can only be one winner. They're, they're mutually exclusive. A picture of my kids a few years ago. They, they are... Kidding. They're mutually exclusive. Now again, the desires aren't bad, but your disordered desires... Pursuing the wrong things in the wrong order, or pursuing a shortcut to a God-given desire, is destructive and contrary to the way of the Spirit. Uh, Genesis or Galatians five goes on to say. So I, we just read this. So I walk by the Spirit, but at the end of that it says, "So, so that you are not to do whatever you want." Now, interestingly, I I just I checked out the the Greek part and how this was translated. This lion. And there's two ways that you can translate this line. First way is, you are not to do whatever you want. So uh, this is what your flesh wants to do, but if you walk by the Spirit, you aren't to do what you want. Right? The second way that is equally, you could equally translate it is that um,
1: they're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. They're actually saying the same thing, but from two different perspectives. You know, one translation is trying to
0: pick out the idea that this is what your flesh wants, and so you choose not to do what your flesh wants. The other translation is saying uh, so that you don't do what you want, that this is your deepest desire.
1: This is the longings of the Spirit within you, and your flesh is working so you don't get what you want. So even the biblical text is, there's like this nuanced part of that there's, Two things that we want. There's two desires that we have. There's two longings that we have. Which one do you want? Your decision to follow the desire
0: of the flesh versus the desire of the spirit will lead in two totally different destinations with two totally different realities. Now Paul goes on to literally flesh these out. He says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. If you follow the desires of your flesh, these disordered desires that are strong desires, if you start walking in step with those, they are going to result in this reality. Do these sound familiar? I mean, we, we look at them and we're like, I think so, but... Let's think about it in our context. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Think about our hookup culture that we live in. How sexuality and having sex with another person is not actually... It's just... There's no rhyme or reason or or rules or boundaries to even how we live that out. Look at the Tinder app. This is being lived out as we follow the desires of our flesh. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage... You know, just open up Twitter, if you guys are on Twitter, and look at what's happening. It, it's reading like a, you know, case file on this. Uh, look at our cancel culture. Turn on the news, if you watch the news. All of these things being fleshed out in front of us. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions.
1: Office gossip. Family gossip. Politics. Being fleshed out. Envy. You go on the internet, you see advertising.
0: You go to the mall, you see advertising. I mean, I go on my phone and I see advertising for things I didn't even type in. I talked about with, I mean, it's frightening. Uh, creating envy in us. You go look on Instagram, which is the greatest generator of en- of envy in our day. A culture of comparison that's being fleshed out. Drunkenness, orgies,
1: and the like. Streaming, television, Netflix, and TV, and all these things giving... All of that to your heart's content. If you follow the desires of your flesh, this is the world that you'll find yourself living in. But, if you follow the Spirit, this is the fruit of the Spirit, which means if you walk and step with the Spirit, this is going to
0: be the result of what is grown in your life. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so many of us, we, we read that lesson, and we, we think, man, that sounds nice. sounds unrealistic, but it sounds nice. Uh, it sounds unrealistic because it's so far removed from our experience in our Western culture that people would walk according to their deepest desires, according to the Spirit's desires. But this is the fruit of the lived-out experience of those who walk in step with the Spirit, of those who choose to follow Jesus. And then Paul kind of brings us all together. He has a summarizing statement. He says, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And sometimes because we, you know, maybe we're around church and we talk about the crucifixion of Christ and the cross, we forget how brutal of an image this is. This was the most horrific way to die at the time one of the most horrific ways to die still, it was tragic, it was torture, it was excruciating. And Paul picks this image to talk about our relationship to the desires of the flesh. And he says, if you follow Jesus, those who belong to Christ, who choose to follow him,
1: have crucified, have tortured, have killed those strongest desires. And our world would scream, repression, oppression, you know, all those things. Or is it?
0: Maybe it's the way to true life. Because Paul says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The word that he uses for live here, and I've talked about this many times, is the word zoe, which doesn't just describe breathing or being alive. That's what the word bios would be. He doesn't say we're just living because of the Spirit. He's saying we're truly alive. Zoe means a full, satisfying, rich Life, the life we were created to live, the life that we actually long to live. And so when we walk by the Spirit, the deepest longings of your heart are met in keeping step with the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are a result of the life you live by walking in the Spirit. Now, James uh, talks about it this way, and he says, When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And I've always been captured by this image that James used of being dragged away.
1: Being dragged away. It's this image of actually not having a choice anymore. And we're going to unpack it more next week in our final su- Sunday in the
0: series. But what James is, is getting at, and what Paul's getting, what, what Peter's getting at, is we all have a choice because we're image bearers of God. But there's a
1: point where the choices we make begin to make you. The choices you make begin to make you. Some of you made some choices years ago that you, don't no longer, you no longer know how to undo. You felt like you were in a fight before, but now it's no longer a fight. You're being full out dragged. This feeling of being dragged, of losing control, of losing capacity to
0: choose how I'm living anymore. This is actually the result of following your flesh. And, and this is what the Bible refers to as slavery. Again, I'm we'll packing next week, but Some of us in this room or attending online don't feel like we have the capacity to answer Jesus' question anymore of what do you want. Because we've consistently chosen the shallow, strong desires of the flesh over and against the desires and the deep desires
1: of our heart and the spirit. And those choices that we made have begun to make us. And we don't know how to go back and undo it. In Genesis 4, verse
0: 7, uh, we see the story of Cain and Abel. We talked about the story of Adam and Eve. They had a couple kids, Cain and Abel.
1: And uh, and this is the last thing I'll say. Just bear with me here. In Genesis 4, um, so Cain, uh, Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a
0: farmer. Uh, they were at odds and fighting with one another. Uh, they were uh, Cain particularly was wrestling with desires and ideas, and God was warning him. Uh, and it says, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. I referred to the book East of Eden earlier uh, that John Steinbeck wrote. And it's basically this this case study of people that choose their flesh desires and the trajectory of that and those people that choose to rule over it. And there's one phenomenal chapter in there uh, where he talks about this verse. Uh, In fact, uh, there's a Mumford and Son song called Tim Shell. It's one of my favorite songs. I had no idea what the reference was from. And then I read John Steinbeck's book and I realized they wrote that song based on that chapter because the Hebrew word for must is timshell. That's a little bit of homework. Go listen to the Mumford and Song and read the story. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, but it says, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must, that word must is timshell, rule over it. And throughout history, Bibles have translated that as must, but the actual word is not must. The actual word means may. And the difference between must and may is significant because the one is like this forced external thing of you have to do this. You have to do this. And, and, and some people that don't understand the invitation of God, the heart of God, and why the church exists and all this stuff, they think religion is all about a bunch of things you have to do. No, that's not it at all. In fact, if you think that's it, we've missed the point. But the heart of it is at the, at the root of that word, timshell, which means you may do this. There's an invitation to life. There's an invitation to a certain way of living.
1: He, God is saying to Cain, you may rule over it. You don't have to. You may, though. And I believe that that invitation is in front of each and every
0: single one of us. Some of you feel like you're being dragged around, that, that sin is crouching at your door. Maybe it's dragging you, it's having the last word. But God is more powerful. Uh, the longings of the Spirit, I think, are more, are, are more deeper. The power of the Spirit is more powerful than the power of sin. And, and the invitation of God is that you may rule over it, if you like. You can continue to live out the flesh, You can continue just to live by the mantra of our time. Do what you want. You do you. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. You can live that way. But the Bible's telling you this is the trajectory of where that's going to go. You're going to experience death, destruction,
1: pain, loss, addiction. Or you may live by the Spirit. You may experience the fruits of the Spirit. But like Jesus asked Bartimaeus, which one do you want? I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in a final song. And I don't know if you
0: guys have seen the hashtag blessed. You guys seen that? Hashtag blessed. Uh, I understand it's not really a thing anymore, but people used to do it. Um, But when we talk about blessing, you know, if you pay attention to the way people use the word, it's talking about being blessed. And, you know, the Bible definitely talks about being blessed. Um, But when you talk about being blessed, it's like, God, get on my agenda and bless me. Bless what I'm doing. I'm going to do me. I need your blessing. Uh, But when we think of living in shalom, it actually starts with the posture of choosing to bless God. Uh, And there's a song that Matt Redman wrote years ago that we're going to sing, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, It's called 10,000 Reasons. And... Uh, I remember when we first started singing the song, uh, I don't know if it was a decade ago or more, uh, but this idea of blessing God, just it's not something we talk about very often, but it's, it's actually the orientation of the Christ follower who wants to walk and step with the Spirit. We're no longer asking God, hey, let me do me and bless, bless me. We're saying, God, I actually exist to bless you. I actually exist to re-image you I, I exist to represent you in the in the world and so my posture is one of worship and blessing and I believe the invitation is before us what do you want you may rule over sin you may rule over the flesh but it actually starts with an orientation of worshiping God of blessing God of putting him first and saying God your way I'm gonna choose to be my way let's pray father we thank you that you have made a way Uh, for us to have life and have life in all of its fullness. You've made a way for us not just to survive, but to thrive. Uh, Lord, you've made a way for us uh, not to just be dragged away by our disordered desires, but actually live life in line with our deepest desires. I pray that we would live in the present with an eternal perspective. Lord, that we think about the type of people we want to be at the end of our lives, that we would live in that reality today, each day, each moment, each decision. That we would choose to discipline ourselves so that we can experience the life you have for us in its fullness. And so again, in this moment, we choose to worship you. We choose to bless you. We choose to orient our lives around who you are. And because of that, we get to live out who we are. Jesus, Amen. I'm going to invite you just to take a seat for a quick, quick second. I won't keep you long. Um, but I, I know as we start to unpack these things uh, this week and next week, it, uh, these ideas start to rub against real life. Uh, I know that it starts to touch on some uncomfortable places. Uh, And when I talk about being dragged, uh, losing the capacity to choose, the choices that we make begin to make us, uh, I know that's the story that many of us find ourselves living in. Uh, And I don't pretend to think that the way out of that story is a quick and easy one. I don't pretend to think that the way out of that story is to come into a church service, to hear an idea, and now all of a sudden you start to live in a completely new way. Uh, and I invite you to stick with us, uh, because next week we're going to unpack those ideas a little bit further, why uh, we experience slavery and freedom and and practical ways to move out of it. Um, But just to give you some tools, as we walk through these next couple weeks, and to explain a couple things, is uh, many of the things that we get caught in because of the choices that we've made or other people that have made to impact us, uh, we can't get out of those places alone. We can't. Um, and uh, at SunWest, we don't, uh, like I said, we're not ignorant not to think that just showing up at a worship service just changes that stuff. But as a community, we want to be committed to walking with one another to find more freedom, to walk in step with the Spirit. Uh, and we have a number of resources at SunWest in our community, in our area, with counselors, and therapists, and people that are actually trained in helping you rethink and be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can be- begin to live in that identity as a son and a daughter of God. Uh, we have um, we, t- we often talk about healing ministries in terms of physical healings that we need physical healings for, and, and God uh, answers uh, those prayers uh, as well, but what we don't often realize is that there's inner healing that all of us in some degree have to go through. Things that our parents decided or uh, experience that we had in school or in church or choices that we made years and years ago uh, that are impacting our ability to live fully now. Uh, we have an inner healing ministry that runs on Monday nights uh, and it's by appointment only uh, and it's, it's, uh, there's two people that that pray for individuals when they want prayer uh, and it's a non-threatening Confidential environment uh, that exists to actually invite Jesus and his spirit to begin to walk with you and to move you into greater degrees of freedom. Uh, If you are interested in participating in that, you can just email prayer at sunwestchurch.com. That goes to our prayer leader. It goes to one email address and they will uh respond and help you set up that that appointment if that's interesting we also have a group uh, that runs uh each semester called changes that heal that group was designed to help people find greater degrees of freedom and walking in the spirit and step with the spirit uh, in the context of community Uh, and and it's a fantastic and powerful group and so uh, if that's something uh, that you are interested in i just want to highlight that and say that is continually available uh, for you to step into the changes that heal group uh, to help you walk that out uh, also we have prayer ministry as you know at the end of every service um, and our prayer teams are available and they want to pray with you about whatever's going on in your life uh, but there might be particular things that you're looking for more freedom from that you feel stuck on uh, and this might just be a very immediate practical way of stepping into that uh, and responding to what the spirit is doing in your life um, and so it's great to come and talk about ideas to look at the Scriptures. Uh, but at some point we have to begin to walk in step with the spirit begin to walk these out uh, and it doesn't happen through ideas it actually ha- happens through being obedient to certain ideas um, and so my prayer for you is that you'd have enough courage to follow those deepest longings of your heart that god put there and then he wants to empower you to live out and that you would experience the full life he has for you uh, so let me pray and again there's Uh, prayer team's available, uh, starting point week two will start immediately after service, uh, in the staff lounge. So Father, uh, we, we thank you that you ask us and that you honor our choice and that you say you, we may rule over our flesh. We may actually not be controlled by sin, um. And Lord, we thank you for that choice. But as you invited your people in Deuteronomy, Lord, you said that I've put before you blessings and curses, life and death. Choose life. And so, Lord, we thank you for the encouragement and the pathway and the ability for us to choose life. Lord, we're mindful that some people in the space that are listening online or here on site feel like they don't have the capacity to choose life anymore. Lord, I pray that you would give them courage not to keep doing things the way they've been doing it, uh, but to reach out, to take a risk, uh, to take a risk in the context of community and step with your spirit to begin to walk out what it means to be made in your image. That we would increasingly experience the freedom that you have for us and live that out for your glory, for our joy, for the benefit of ourselves, but also for those around us that they would taste and see that the Lord is good and that we would know that, um, that we would experience zoe-full, thriving life, that we move from just surviving to thriving. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for coming. Uh, Have a great week. Look forward to week three of Shalom Asself next week.
1: Oh, oh,